eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. A jam-packed weekend. So much action from the Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A, of course. And we got the ones and onlys. Heath Pierce and Jimmy Conrad looking very, very dash. A lot of color today. I hope we don't give you a headache, everybody. But welcome to Kego Lasso because Weekend Recap begins right now. Welcome, everybody, to Kego Lasso. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much. If you're listening later on, on wherever you listen to your pods, thank you very much. By the way, you can listen to Kego Lasso on your smart speakers. Just say, hey, Alexa. Play the latest episode of Kegel Lasso podcast or hey, Google, play the latest episode of the Kegel Lasso podcast and Alexa or Google will do it right there. And if you're watching this live on YouTube, be part of the conversation. I want your hot takes. I want your grievances. I want your questions. I want to join in with Heath Pierce. If you're an Arsenal fan, I want you to, uh, you know, cry if you're a Newcastle or Villa fan with us and Jimmy and we'll throw up some on the screen, some comments. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and leave Kegel Lasso a rating and a review. It only takes a few seconds and it helps us to continue to make free episodes for you all right everybody let's get going first of all Heath Pierce you look great the Emirates vomited on you and I'm so happy how, how are you my friend oh I'm doing great you know real turning point of the season for Arsenal which we'll get to against Norwich I thought uh I saw in the run of show Des had put biggest loser thoughts and I think that's got to be Norwich on this point but we're not to that <laughs> point yet I'm doing well life is good for just this single moment so can't complain. I love it. I love it, my friend. And Jimmy Conrad, you can share the grievances with me, my friend. How are you? How are you doing, bud? I purposely did not wear one of my Newcastle jerseys. I was going to go with, I thought was going to be an automatic winner with Roma because Jose Mourinho's a thousandth game, all that good stuff. But uh, they're currently 1-1 right now. So I don't know if, if I've got the jinx or whatever, but uh, yeah, lots to talk about, of course, and, and highlighted with Cristiano Ronaldo making a very triumphant return to Old Trafford. Absolutely. And by the way, to that Ronaldo point, everybody, you can go back to our YouTube clips where Jimmy and I directly after the game, we shared our thoughts. So if you want a more comprehensive look about United, Cristiano Ronaldo, please go there. Of course, we'll talk about it here. But because there's so much action, as Jimmy mentioned, we got to keep going. We begin, of course, with the Premier League and Liverpool looking very, very good on this Sunday as they defeated Marcelo Yes's Leeds United, a very bad start for Leeds United. Some of us uh, predicted this in the pod before the season began, but let's focus on Liverpool because 3-0, obviously some uh, good goals there from Mohamed Salah, etc. And Sadio Mane got one in the end, but a, a horrific injury 
on Harvey Elliott. We'll talk about that in a second. But let's really focus, first of all, Jimmy, on this very good victory from Liverpool. And to be honest, in my opinion, I don't know how you feel. One of the best teams in Europe right now. They look great. I'm not surprised. I think we talked about it in the Premier League preview and even leading up to or during our Champions League coverage. I know it's kicking off this upcoming week, so we're excited about that. But that if they stayed healthy, that they were going to be a force to be reckoned with, contending for the Premier League title and having an outside chance to potentially win the Champions League as well. I mean, these core players have won trophies together. And just because last year was as bad as it was, and even though they finished third in the Premier League, they still didn't really reach their potential at any point. And now you can see them when they're all fully fit and all fully focused, especially the outside backs. I thought Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson both had a bit of a dip last season. And that's to be expected when you have a rotating squad of center backs throughout the whole year. So I think there's a little bit of a couple things actually coming into play here. But now that they're healthy, they look very, very good. I will say, though, sometimes when I watch Diego Diogo Jota play, excuse me, I don't always feel like he fits in. Sometimes his decisions feel very selfish. I I, I don't know if I'm, I'm getting too far in the weeds here. I don't know if you see it too, but it's like he could play other people in that make the game a little bit simpler, and he decides to make it a lot more complicated than it needs to be, or he's only looking for his own thing. I don't know if he's got like a goal bonus written in his his <laughs> contract or whatever, and that he needs 10 to hit like a million-dollar trigger on his bonuses or whatever, but there seems to be something a little bit amiss, and I feel like Bobby Firmino – looks to combine a little bit more than Diogo Jota, which I always thought made Liverpool pretty special because everybody felt like they were part of it. But we'll see. Uh, they, they've got a very talented team, and uh, I'm obviously gutted for Harvey Elliott. looks like he broke his leg. I'm still speculating. I don't know the exact thing, but uh, it didn't look good, and, and I suspect he'll be out for quite some time. Chime in, Hayes. Oh, yeah, shoot. Um, yeah, I got a He's lot to say focusing. about this. He's just focusing. <laughs> hey, so listen, I, I, I was... I, glorious you know? three points against <laughs> no, Nor- you, you know the what? giant that is Norwich City that he forgot about everybody that just, else. That silence just showed you some of the trauma I have from a late break. <laughs> I, broke, I, bro- I had a tip-fib fracture when I was younger. It happened in a game, planted on it, and then got two-footed. And I was literally reliving that in my head right now over and over. My hands are literally sweating because when anytime I see those, I don't go back and watch things. I don't know if you guys uh, are, are like uh, like these kinds of replays or like to see that kind of stuff. But no. I can't I can't watch them. And I was literally just going off into to La La Land right now thinking about uh, when I had done it and when I was staring down at my leg and it was sticking. It looked like a slide sticking straight out. Anyways. That's not the point that I'm trying to get with with Liverpool. I thought they were really good. And again, as Jimmy mentioned, I think the biggest point is you go back to the form they were in. They didn't build a team to win a championship or win the Champions League. They built a team to sort of have what, you know, and maybe it's unfair to say, but a dynasty, right? They were the sort of clear and clear favorites that we had Man City and others going, well, how are you going to beat this? The way and style in which they play, the depth that they have in their team, obviously that depth was tested and then and then defeated last season. But they just really looked really complete. The funny thing is Jimmy was talking about the selfishness of uh, Diego Jota, the final minutes of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, he did not want to pass the ball to anybody on the team either. <laughs> and he had Mohamed Salah so angry. I've never seen Salah. Like, I always see him, this guy smiling, wandering around. You know, he kind of wears his long sleeve shirts with, like, his thumbs inside and all that. <laughs> so he just looked like this happy guy. I've never seen him throw his arms around as many times as he did. And obviously, Ox is trying to get more time, prove himself. But every time he got the ball, he just looked off everyone else and tried to go to goal. Was, obviously, he played the final 10 minutes and was just trying to be like, if, I, if I'm going to get a goal, we're up a man. Let's let's try to do this. But yeah, overall, I thought that Liverpool were were extremely strong and and definitely put them back into the conversation, and, and rightfully so, uh, for who's going to be uh, a title contender this year. And also, uh, as Jimmy mentioned, a danger in Europe. 
Yeah, uh, just the latest from Harvey Elliott, by the way. Uh, the club, obviously, they can confirm Harvey Elliott has been discharged from hospital after suffering a serious ankle injury in today's game at Leeds. So that's good news that he was discharged and uh, we wish him nothing but the best. Uh, all right, let's ask a question here, Jimmy, and, and to you as well. Heath, is this the season where Thiago Alcantara comes into his own in the Premier League? What do you think of his performance and, and just the way that he can develop this season? Yeah, for, for me, I would say that he is one of those rhythm setters, right? When he gets the ball, he really dictates the flow of the team. And I think it's important at times for Liverpool to have a little bit of that switch. They can speed it up when they need to, and they can also slow it down. It felt like maybe at the peak of their powers, everything was 3,000 miles an hour. And so as the team starts to evolve and include new and different types of players, sometimes it is uh, it's probably to their benefit to slow it down, especially if you want to compete in multiple competitions, because at some point you're going to break down if you continue to go at that speed, which they learned the hard way all of last season. So I, I like his game. I think he's going to continue to be in there if they continue to win 3-0. But yeah, I thought it was a good solid performance from him as he you know, kept the ball moving, really, and, and did what he does best. And I think that was the hardest thing for me when he first joined Liverpool is, is he the right guy to fit that system? And because they are so kind of like rock and roll, you know, they're just going 100 miles an hour, heavy metal football or however they used to call it. And he slows it down. He wants to play what, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to find the other the rhythmic music there. Right. Little little samba beat, you know, just kind of keep it going. <laughs> let's go. Keep it going. And, and that's not the same. And that always I always thought that was kind of a weird signing for Liverpool in some capacity. But now that if he inserts himself into the team, they start to understand what he can bring. And he, I think at times we saw him last year, that guy would always get a yellow card in the first five minutes. I'm like, can this guy just chill out just for a second? And I feel like he was trying to be rock and roll when he's more Samba-esque, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and I feel like there's got to be a compromise between those two sounds and hopefully they'll find it this season. Well, yeah, Jimmy, you, know you can you can do before. Sorry, Heath, before you uh, before you stop there, Jimmy, you can do a little bit more samba right now because Roma has scored in the ninety plus two minute. By the way, uh, El Sharawi, so two one right there. Uh, the game's not over. Two thousand eleven, right now we're living in two thousand eleven. If El Sharawi's <laughs> I know uh. that is so weird. Heath, thoughts on Thiago Alcantara? By the way. Yeah, I think today is the perfect example of the role he is going to have to play all season long. Harvey Elliott, obviously, with a major uh, injury. And then now your depth is already being tested within the squad. So he's going to have to buy in. Again, I think to Jimmy's point, he the, it's not about playing the exact same system as everybody else within your team. It's about the parameters of which you have to be, the role of which you have to play within the team. And then you you play creatively within those parameters. That doesn't mean... You know, you step on it when everybody's trying to speed up. I think the thing, same issue happens with with Paul Pogba a lot of always sort of, to me, a lot of times being on a different page of what the team is doing. When the team's trying to fly full speed ahead, he's slowing it down. When the team when the team's trying to slow it down, he's, he's trying to play the way that he thinks the team should play. And so I think it's going to be an important factor for him. And now, again, uh, between him and Fabinho, uh, they're going to have to really probably rotate and spend a lot of time getting on the same page or staying on the same page where he's going to have to have the best season that he's had so far in the system that Liverpool are trying to play if they even want to stay in the chase because this is an unbelievable start to the season in terms of uh, who else is playing well in the depth of all these teams. Yeah, that's where I was going to go with. I think his relationship with Fabinho, whether he plays with him in a game or not, is going to be very important. I do like the fact that Jurgen Klopp's heavy metal is now also being complemented by a little classical music. I feel like they feel... <laughs> 
a little bit more calm when they have the ball. They don't always have to go uh, gung-ho, I feel. There's a little bit of uh, music synchronicity there. Uh, why are you smiling, Heath? I thought it was a very nice. Yeah, I, I agree. They could have scored nine goals today. And that they was even before uh, even before the the the, the advantage. So hmm. they, they were definitely informed, dictating. And again, in a number of different ways, starting to show that they can break you down and beat you, not just you know, at full speed when you're, when you're unbalanced, but also while you're balanced, be able to, um, just break you down. Changing the point of attack I thought was, and I know that's a big thing for Jimmy, uh, across all games is something that he pays attention to. I thought it was really impressive to be able to just get the ball into wide spots and then create small advantages that lead to goal opportunities as opposed to super long rhythmic, rhythmic buildups or one, two passes and get, get a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on because I want to focus, by the way, as we look at this table, Manchester United, Chelsea, Liverpool, they all have the same points. Obviously, the goal differential is the key there, but I wanted to do something fun. Mount Man City with nine under that and then Brighton, by the way, which, uh, by the way, I'm not surprised because I'm telling you, I mean, it's early, but they're sexy, man. Brighton are sexy. But I want to do something here, Jimmy and Heath. Let's talk about the Premier League power rankings, because even though the table shows a very tight one, of course, it's very early. United, Chelsea and Liverpool. I wanted to ask both of you if I was to ask you your top four, your top four in terms of power rankings, just the way that you see them as a team. It doesn't necessarily have to mirror the table but rather just the way that you feel these teams are playing. I feel like Heath is ready to give his answer. And if you say Arsenal, <laughs> fears, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this room right now. Give me your top four a power rankings. One, oh. two, three, four. All right. And this isn't, this isn't a, a super hot take, by the way, just because there really isn't an opportunity for it right now. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Chelsea just because I think Lukaku ha- at number one. Lukaku has been a revelation again, answering and solving some of their problems. I think defensively, they've still got some issues that they're going to have to work out throughout the year, but just with him on the field, it is, it is shown that they are my out and out favorites to withstand the, the pressures of a, of a long season with Europe and, and come out on top. Currently, if I were to give my power rankings based on just this week weekend alone, I would say it's man United. There was something so special to them at number two. I'm going to put them at number two on this one, just because I think it's it, what they showed is a really hard thing to replicate week in and week out. And the energy, the, 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 the conviction they played with the pace that they played with. I don't think I've ever seen Paul Pogba play two, uh, one or two touches as many times as he did just to get it to people that he knows are better in the attack than him. Uh, it was unbelievable. It was spectacular. It was reminiscent of an, another era of Manchester United where it wasn't all about being pretty and beautiful, but they were just going and going and going and attacking with numbers and just looked really comfortable in that. And then for three, I'm going to go with Man City. Um, and then below that, I'm going to go with Liverpool. And oh gosh, I should respect Liverpool more than that. This is a hard one. You know, it's and hard. it's funny. It, this is such a low hanging fruit over the last sort of season of, of uh, to do a power rankings at any point, uh, except for maybe early on when, when before, um, City really kicked into form. But yeah, this is a difficult one. But I'm going to go with Man City just because, again, they've just got so much quality. Um, and then and then Liverpool. Actually, no, I take that back. I'm going Liverpool now because power rankings are about now, where they stand now, not about where they're going. And so I'm going to go with Liverpool 3, Man City 4. Okay, okay. so Chelsea, Manchester United, uh, Liverpool, Man City. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to take exception with a few of those. I'll say Chelsea on top. I agree with Heath that Lukaku is definitely leveling up this whole Chelsea experience. 
defensively, yeah, there are some issues, but I feel like that's what Thomas Tuchel is very good at is eradicating those type of defensive issues and solving problems, either with more people in the areas or whatever it may be. And his players really executing at a high level from their both offensively and defensively. So I'm not too worried about that. I think Chelsea are still the favorites to win the league. I have Man City second. They only lost to Tottenham in that first week, 1-0, first week of the season. Still trying to work through that Harry Kane drama. Since that's been done and dusted, they haven't given up a goal. They've scored 11 over these past three games. They went into Leicester, which is not an easy place to play, and got the 1-0 win and kind of grinded it out in some capacity. And it's nice to see a Man City team who I think is linked towards being a little bit pretty at times, right? Not getting their, they don't want to get their shorts and their, their jerseys dirty. Kind of going in there and grinding it out against a team that uh, was a little vulnerable. They had some some frailties in the back line, Lester, but uh, it was a good result for them and obviously trying to get some revenge from losing in the Community Shield 1-0. So I like Man City second. I'll say, I'll say Man United third, actually. I think that Man United, to, to Heath's point, looked fantastic. Uh, similar to how Lukaku, I think, is going to allow Chelsea to take that next step uh, in their evolution. I think Cristiano Ronaldo will really help kind of level, uh, level up the experience for Manchester United. Turning half chances into goals, also making sure that everybody's kind of playing to the highest of their abilities. I think he's going to demand a lot of not only the, the players, but the coaching staff, like all the professionals going to get ratcheted up. And I think that's just going to be good, especially for some of those younger players on the field. So I like them third. And I thought they had a good performance, even though they're playing against my Newcastle. And then I got Liverpool fourth. I mean, it's really kind of close. We're, we're splitting hairs here on a couple of the positions. Liverpool for me, uh, were very good in this one. But when I look back at who they played so far, they have Norwich. They had Burnley. They played against Chelsea. And obviously, uh, you know, they got uh, fortunate. There was a red card. I mean, Reese James probably deserved it there. But uh, that was the way they got their goal against Chelsea. And then, you know, they had a nice performance against Leeds. Now, Leeds aren't the same Leeds of last season as of yet. So I, I think, think they are. They just ran out of luck. <laughs> that's true. That's fair. That's fair. So I just put Liverpool there because I think their strength of schedule hasn't been as strong as some of the others. Yeah, no, well done. Well, that's your power rankings. I'll be very quick on mine. I think there's a, a Chelsea to me is clearly number one. And I think they showed it against Liverpool when they still managed to play well in that second half with 10 men, which uh, says a lot about them. I think after that, I'm going to have to go with Manchester City uh, against the nature of uh but just adding players like Jack Grealish and others, I think, has uh, elevated them. I think, to your point, Jimmy Conrad, losing one nothing to Tottenham, I think that was just a little bit of a wake-up call after not having Harry Kane. And after that, I'm going to go with Liverpool just for what has been going on with their chemistry and the way that they're performing and they're being consistent. And Manchester United, I still feel that they are opening doors in the midfield and just welcoming teams to come in. And better teams than Newcastle, uh, with all due respect, will really punish them. But I think we all agree on Chelsea. Hey, neither, neither none of you guys wanted to put Spurs in the top four? I, I mean, thought about it. I thought about it, but they've only scored three goals in four games, and they've given up three goals in four games. This so, weekend was a revelation as well. No, yeah, to a certain extent. I, I thought the, the red card was harsh. I didn't think there was a deserved second yellow. No, but and Palace overall were a better team, I think. Yeah, ultimately, you're right. I mean, they went in and faced a, a tough opponent. And I think Palace is going to be a team we're going to be talking about a lot this season. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people and 
potentially, maybe potentially get into a six or seven spot, squeak into the conference league, which is something I guess teams aim for, like Arsenal. But uh, they were chanting, by the way, that uh, Vieira has won more trophies than you uh, in, in that game on the sideline. Apparently. I don't think he's ever, he's yeah. never lost against Tottenham. That's amazing. That's which amazing. is uh, pretty ridiculous. All right. We want to just keep going here with the Premier League, by the way, just some results. Um, Chelsea. Uh, beat Villa 3 nothing. Everton-Burnley, by the way, is the Monday game. Uh, we talked about Man City. They beat Leicester City one nothing. Southampton-West Ham, nil-nil. But Antonio got a red at the very end of that game. So watch out, fantasy fans. Arsenal one nothing against Norwich. Wow. Amazing. Build a statue for Mikel Arteta. Unbelievable. Manchester United beats Newcastle. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, just from a quote uh, for you, Jimmy, I wanted your thoughts on Bre Brentford lost to Brighton. Well played, Brighton. 3-0 Palace, of course, and Watford and Wolves. Wolves won 2-0. From Alan Shearer, Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. Match of the day, um, he said, I hate what my club is or has become. It's been a long time now. It's a hollow and an empty football club. There's no hope or ambition, and I'm pretty sick of it, to be honest. It's copy, paste, repeat every season. Jimmy Conrad, your thoughts? Yeah, I think we could copy, paste, repeat uh, every season with his quote, to be honest. Ever since Mike <laughs> Ashley took over, that's pretty much how it's gone. And when a new owner comes in, you get that little bit of a bump. All right, he's going to invest, but he does just enough to kind of keep you somewhat interested, you know? And we do have some talented players on the team. I thought Miguel Amiron in particular was excellent. Alonso and Maximin, both excellent against Manchester United. You can see that there's something there bubbling under the surface, but then you just don't feel like either the, the guys on the field are as good as those two. And I'd be kind of sad when those two finally leave because then we'll have no offense whatsoever. But then even the support staff, Steve Bruce isn't the guy. You know, he's, he's beaten his old club, Manchester United, once out of 27 tries. I mean, that just is one piece of evidence that that uh, he's a guy that maybe he'll scrape and keep you afloat and maybe not get relegated. But in terms of ambition, there is zero. We haven't had some in, in quite some time. And and uh, it's very it's disappointing. And I feel like I'm not the only club that feels this way. There's quite a few clubs, I think, in the Premier League that could uh, have the same same <laughs> rhetoric going on. Yeah, and, yeah, and by the way, for the for a one-off game like this, at, to go 1-1 one, one, and in the 60th minute just completely fall apart where you see that they had the ability to compete and with a little bit of an yeah. identity of knowing they're going to get their chances from from these counterattacks uh, where Almiron could just spring out and to go 1-1 one, one like that, it makes you just go, there's something there, it you is, know? And, there. At least for me, Jimmy, From uh, I'm obviously on the outside looking in, but like it feels like there's, oh, there's an identity, something within all this, but can we do it consistently? Is it, is it an identity we're, we're willing to embrace? Are we building a team for that? Are we trying to build a team for something different? Mm -hmm. What's like sort of what's the idea of all this? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just I'm just going to finish with this. And I've said it before. I, I just Steve Bruce, as he did the same thing with Villa, a very nice man, creatively zero. Just zero idea, just nothing. It's it's just it's just like get the ball, just long ball it. And to your point, Miguel Almiron is being wasted away. He could be one of the best uh, players in the Premier League, no joke. And and he is from a talent perspective, but he's being wasted away. And obviously, ASM is a FIFA player who's just literally doing things by himself. Just... I'll say really quickly, and I'll be wrong, and and you make a good point. He has for me to really shine. Has to be on a counterattacking team. I think when he can get out on the break, you really see what he's capable of. And then frankly, given what Arsenal's had as at their at their disposal, which is very similar type players that like to get out on the break, that like to break free and have some room room to run. Mm -hmm. I wonder how Almiron in particular would do 
in a possession-based system. He would do fine. I, I mean, you're around world-class players. It's it's pretty easy to to assimilate. But I don't think we'd be able to see the 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 greatness that is Almiron because he is so good. I mean, that turn at midfield to unlock Man United's defense to to set up the first goal, which was a very good goal by Newcastle, was breathtaking. And then you have Alonson Maximin. I don't know how much longer we're going to have him because that guy's got the sauce, you know, <laughs> and uh, he's so good. And, and uh, I'm surprised we even got him to sign in the first place. So I'm just going to hold on to him for dear life. I'm just going to be dragging on this. <laughs> no, no, please don't leave us. Please don't it, leave us. I actually did an interview. I did an interview with Demba Ba when he left Newcastle to go to Chelsea. He came over to New York for a thing. And the first question I asked him before we got started was, hey, man, you left you left my team. Newcastle. Do you think I can get a hug? And he gave me a hug because I was sad he left. <laughs> and I would feel the same way about Alonson Maximin because uh, that guy's that, a beast. That's too good. But I'm not doing that to Jack Grealish, by the way. The shame of that, Jimmy, by the way, is that I knew two teams growing up. I knew Newcastle and I knew Manchester United. That was the Absolutely. only two teams I ever saw or heard of yeah. coming from the West Coast. Uh, that was the only thing I had access to. And the size of the club that Newcastle is, but for the large majority of my adulthood, has missed a whole generation of players in the U.S. that could fall in love with this club. It's a massive club, and I mm -hmm. think most of the new generation of players in the U.S. and fans in the U.S. don't have any idea, no idea. of what it's grounded in, which is really yeah. sad. That's a very, very good point. I mean, you look back at the Alan Shearer days, uh, Norberto Solano, Peruvian star, was, I mean, just, they were just ridiculous. But anyway, a very good point from you, Jimmy Heath as well, and obviously quoting uh, and uh, attributing to um, Alan Shearer's comments. By the way, we got some comments here. Heath Pierce, who's on the back of your shirt? Well, let me Kennedy go ahead. Kennedy M. Cool thinks it was okay. Olivier Giroud. What do you I'm think? I'm just going to turn around and see if you guys can see it. Tell me if you can see. Oh, yeah, no. We I can see, <laughs> I can see his eyebrow from here. His eyebrows are. Hey, it's, Arteta, it's, Kennedy it's actually, M. Cool. Hey, this was actually a nice kit that came out. To be fair, and I he was this. good for Arsenal. He, he 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 was as a player. Um, <laughs> I always think of I always think of Aaron Ramsey or Gunnar Saurus. Gunnar Saurus. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you had Gunnar Saurus at the back of your shirt, I would have. <laughs> I would have done. I would have been like, I'm out. I would have been that. Well, I, I, hey, let me just let me just give a, a quick anecdote, real quick, please. I, the day that I got this, uh, Mikel Arteta actually gave it to me. I was at the Emirates, and I was in this day where I was just one right. of those like kind of act cool, be cool days. I was with Thierry. We were in London. We were in his box. The fans were singing to him in his box. I was sitting next to Sol Campbell. This Jens, is already Jens, a ridiculous Jens, story. Jens, Sol Campbell. Why, I, are, you, why I, are you lying, Jens, dude? Why Jens, are you lying? Jens Lehmann <laughs> was popping by, dapping me up just because I was standing next to Thierry. had no idea who I was. There was a couple actors and celebrities in there, and I was just kind of like, <sighs> be cool. And then when the fans were singing – which they do when they see Thierry in, in the stadium, I was like, what do I do? Do I just sing or do I just sit here? But it was a random day, and I ended up getting this one, uh, this shirt, and I got a Ramsey as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's actually a match worn. I think I, I put it on today, and I think there might be a blood stain on the shoulder. Oh, my uh, so God. Perhaps, uh, you got head-butted Sol Campbell. Oh, hey, last point of this, this was the North London Derby where, where um, uh, Podolski had scored a couple when um, – What's his name? Was at Spurs and he scored and celebrated. Got sent off after the striker. Uh, he was at Arsenal before. I'm blanking oh, on yeah. his name now. Um, um, dude, um, well, I can't think of his name right now. I'm blanking. Send us the comments. I know exactly no, who you're Des, talking Des about. Knows, yeah, he went and celebrated all the way across the field. Yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. He, we will get there. We will oh. get there. Our producer, our producer will help us out with that one. But that's a good story. I'm, I'm annoyed that it's not Henri at the back of your shirt. That's just ridiculous. Um, but hey, listen, let's keep going by the way as say <laughs> oh by the way the same person kennedy m cool uh, keeps saying that chelsea no way that his number one 
power rankings. Well, all right. Right. Come, well, come back, come back and talk to us in seven or eight months, buddy. Yeah. Or maybe give us, give us a response to who you think, uh, you know, as opposed to just a trip, but let's keep going. Everybody. The premier league, of course, is what it is, but I want to move on now to Serie A. Jimmy Adebayor. Emmanuel Adebayor. Emmanuel Adebayor, of course. <laughs> I, had I had to get it out. Okay. There go, it was. Go. Keep moving, keep and you know what? That is such an Adebayor thing to do, by the yeah. way. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Let's talk about Serie A, by the way. Jimmy, it was good to see you on Calcio e Cappuccino, giving some betting tips, of course. Let's talk about, first of all, let's begin with Juventus, Max Allegri. They lose to Napoli. Kaladu Kulubali gets that winner. First of all, boys, I want to, obviously, I want to focus on Juventus. I'll start with you, Jimmy. And then Heath, I definitely want you to chime in on this one. But aside from the Juventus loss, we need to talk about Weston McKinney. It was a bad performance. 70% pass accuracy from 20 attempts. The lowest success rate on the next play after a pass of either team, which is about 35%. Uh, Jimmy, talk about the Juventus uh, loss and obviously what this means for Weston, to be honest with you. Okay, so I'll start with Weston. I was actually pleasantly surprised that he got to start in this one and he didn't do a lot with it to your point. I think there's a lot going on off the field. I'm sure a lot of people are, are in his ear about his behavior and his lack of performances for the U S men's national team turn, during that qualifying window. And I'm not surprised, frankly, that uh, maybe he didn't have his best performance in a UV kit. That said, I do think they want to give him some minutes get him back to focusing on the game itself instead of the off the field stuff. At least that's how it seems. Maxi Allegri is trying to attack this. Clearly they thought there was something he could bring to the table. Maybe, you know, join the box late. If there's balls being crossed in from wide, whatever it may be. And it didn't really work out that way. And he did get one shot that was a little bit dangerous, but outside of that, he probably wasn't as effective as we'd all like him to be. Now with regard to the performance overall, I actually thought that Marata looked pretty good. Uh, he, he ended up creating his own goal, you know, Manolas made a mistake there, and they and and they got the 1-0 lead. This is where I think Maxi Allegri is going to have to really look at his team. Even though Chiellini and Bonucci started, and Locatelli's sitting right in front of him, right? You got three very, very important players, not only for Juve this season, but for the Italian national team. They couldn't hold on to the lead. Now, one of the, the goals, Chesney had to do a lot better, basically gift-wrapped a nice little tap-in for Politano, make it 1-1, and then Moise Keane, uh, ends up heading it, even though he's on Juventus, he, like gets him late. He heads it back on goal, and then Koulibaly ends up tapping it in after Chesney does get a hand on it to save it. So these, for me, are very preventable goals that they gave up. And so that might be probably the most, if I'm a Juve fan, I'm thinking, God damn it, you know, we were so close to getting a big win or just getting the results in Naples, and we, we couldn't make it happen. And now Napoli's feeling great because they didn't really necessarily play great either. But um, they did enough to, to get the results, and Spalletti's going to have to feel pretty good, uh, Luciano Spalletti, the manager of Napoli, uh, of getting something this big because he doesn't beat Juve very often enough. He's had a plenty, plenty of cracks at him uh, throughout his career. So fair play to Napoli, but with regard to Juve, I guess my big overall thing, and I want to hear from you two about this, is their identity. They're obviously trying to move on from Cristiano Ronaldo, but it's also who are they going to be this season and what's going to put them in the conversation to win another Scudetto? I don't think they're there this season, frankly, but I went on, as you mentioned, uh, with all the other Calcio experts and they're all back in Juve because they think that Maxi Allegri is so smart. He'll figure it out. I can't subscribe to that just yet. I still think Inter's the favorite to win the league. 
Yeah. Heath, let me ask you this. Okay. If Weston McKenney sits for the rest of the month, should Bearholter call him in October? I think that he should call him in because they they need to make an investment in Weston McKinney. Uh And you don't just get to hold this guy to a standard of a superstar if you're not going to put in the time to sort of nurture and guide him through this process, right? We've seen these stars fall and fall and fall and be gone, right? With lifestyle, it happens to Brazilian players quite a bit where they don't have this system around them. They're into the nightlife lifestyle. They become superstars. Money is no problem. They come from different backgrounds. And now they've got all of this and then they fall because everybody roots for them to fall. And then as soon as they do, they don't have anybody to bring them back up. So I think you have to bring him in. I'm not saying start him. I'm not saying play him, but bring him in to make him feel if, if, if he's not in the team right now, he's messed up with the national team to feel like there's a support system around him of people that care, but now he's got to go and prove himself. And we saw with, 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 um, Pulisic as well. The national team traditionally can be a place where you can bounce back and build your mm -hmm, confidence mm -hmm. again. You can have this thing where it feels comfortable. You're back amongst the boys. You can rebuild. You have people that you can trust. I mean, he's at Juventus right now, and he's going through a lot. Personally, the team is going through a ton. It's easy to make him a scapegoat of, of a lot of situations. He's not playing great right now. So having the national team, while it should be a privilege and an earned place to get into, could be that turning point for him to really bounce back and feel like he's he's got a, people that are that are in his corner, so to speak. So if he doesn't play, that's fine. I think that's part of the growing process. But he certainly needs to to figure some of these things out um, sooner than later, both for his his personal uh, success as well as the sex, success of the national team and and his club team. I just wanted to jump in because I saw a tweet, which I think was from his dad, saying that essentially Wesson got made an example of and that there was more than just him that was involved in some of these extracurricular activities. And to Heath's point, if that's the case, and all of a sudden he's being held to this other standard that other players aren't, you got to have a conversation with him. And it can't be over the phone or Zoom. It's got to be in person. It's got to be man-to-man -man where you're looking at him in the face and saying, whatever it is that Greg Berhalter and his staff want to communicate to him. But if there are other players involved and he's the only one that had to take the fall for it, that's a big bridge, I think, to mend in some capacity. And it could be pretty hard because because Weston looks stubborn. And I think a lot of us athletes, we're stubborn at some point. You have to you have to be stubborn. That's what helps kind of get you there to that point and to play at the highest levels. But sometimes your biggest strength can be your biggest weakness. And so I'm hopeful that there's some smart people both on his side and with the coaching staff for Juve and the U.S. to really try to mend it and get to know him as a person because I think that's the only way they're going to be able to unlock him in a positive way. And hopefully, you know, obviously they can lead him to water and he's got to be the one that kind of walks through the door and, and drinks the water. I got all metaphors all over the place, but you guys know what I'm trying to say. It's a, it's a crossroads time, I think, for, for Weston McKinney to, to, on both sides, both the people around him and, and him himself. Yeah, well done. Uh, well said from both of you. And it's important to remember he's 23 years old. We need to make sure that he is nurtured, developed. And if he really has committed something that's, you know, obviously bigger than himself and the pro whatever, it's about, Greg, to your point, Jimmy, this is a very important time for, for Greg Berhalter. He needs to make sure that, you know, he, he's not he's not just taking hold of the team on the pitch, but off it as well. Because as, as much as we celebrate the youth of the USMNT, we have to be wary of the responsibilities of taking care of the youth of the USMNT. All right, let's do a quick wrap up here on Serie A. By the way, Inter uh, drop points. 
with uh, so a very exciting game, but they draw Milan, by the way. AC Milan. Uh, many of us here tipped uh, them to win the whole thing, obviously very early, but they're looking good. They beat Lazio to nothing. Rafael Leao is a player. Slatan Ibrahimovic, of course, off the bench and straight on the score sheet. Slatan uh, ponytail. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to say no, anything fish about that. Fishtail, fishtail ponytail. That wasn't a ponytail. That was That's, braided tight. It was a braided fishtail. That is correct. That very, very put. Sorry, got sent off. By the way, I would love to. By the way, do a comedians in cars getting coffee with Sari and Bielsa. <laughs> I think that would be kind of amazing. Atalanta lose to Fiorentina, which uh, Marco Messina saw coming here on the mm-hmm. pod. Uh, Roman Sassuolo, Mourinho's a thousandth, one thousandth match, mm-hmm. and he wins it. Amazing. Uh, and of course, let me hop in is- there really quick, though. I've got a fun fact because Jose Mourinho has won all five of his games in charge of Roma. That's the first time he's ever done that in his career, no matter what club he's managed. Is that true? Yep. That's crazy. First time he's won all f- of his first five matches. At any of his previous clubs, I have it here in the stats. Why are they call him so okay. special then? Why are they? Why are they, why are they <laughs> I don't know. Special? Maybe unbeaten streaks, <laughs> but like the first five matches they won. So I was, I actually thought the draw might happen. I, I was going to go on today and say Roma to win and both teams to score, which would have hit. But uh, unfortunately, I, they didn't, they didn't come to me for that. <laughs> Tears. <laughs> oh dear. But hey, listen, Mourinho and Serie is a great thing. By the way, if my uh, visuals are a little blurry, apologies. It's just, you know, well, you know what? You don't pay for this. So you're just going to have to deal with it. We're going <laughs> to take a quick break. When we come back, by the way, we're going to talk about the rest of Europe, including La Liga, Bundesliga, Liga. And then we're going to do some fun things to wrap everything up. Lasso, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Kego Lasso. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you so much. Again, if my visuals are a little blurry, I think they're coming back. They're getting a little better. But like I said, you're not paying for this, so just deal with it. And if you're listening to this on the you're, pod... You're too handsome for me and he, okay? So we need you a little blurry to like even everything out, LME. You, you know what it is? It's because we're wearing so many colors. Like, YouTube just can't handle it anymore. Uh, listen, all right, let's talk about La Liga for a second. Atleti beats Espanyol 2-1. Thomas Lemar with a winner in the ninth minute of stoppage time. Real Madrid, by the way. Camavinga gets on the score sheet. Benzema as well. Vinicius Jr. looking good against Salta Vigo. They win. Sevilla, Barcelona, Villarreal and Alaves were suspended. Let's talk about La Liga very quickly. Uh, thoughts on that one. Uh, Heath. Yeah, my, my whole thing is you, you mentioned this 90 plus nine. And I'm wondering if games are getting too long now with VAR, with injuries, with all these things. 
we are seeing close to double digit extra time, stoppage time, uh, minutes being added on, and it's becoming the new norm. And I go circumstantially, they're not technically playing during video review checks and other things like that. But are, are, have either of you guys also seen that these games are getting longer and longer? We're seeing that more and more often. I'm a bit, I'm a bit uh, perturbed by it, uh, so to speak. But Kareem Benzema, I wanted to say, has been fantastic. Uh, and it's, it's a lot of pressure. We talk about a lot of pressure that goes onto the shoulders of stars when, when their big players leave and these transitions and managers leave. And he seems to be the one that's just unfazed by any pressure being placed on him or not placed on him and just continues to bag goals. Yeah, I'd hop, I'd hop in and say that uh, I have no problem with all this extra time if it benefits one of the clubs that I support. So Atletico Madrid <laughs> scoring in the 99th minute, I'm all for. They scored in the 94th minute before the international break to get uh, their win prior to that. So Atleti really kind of playing it loose, I'd say, in a lot of different ways and, and taking too long, I think, to hit the back of the net. And they haven't had one game yet this season where they've really been in complete control and, and have run away with things. So hopefully they can find that form soon. But to your point about Kareem Benzema, excellent. I actually went to go look up the stats. Uh, Eden Hazard has scored four times for Real Madrid in 33 games. Camba Vingas comes in in his first game, and within three to five minutes, he scores his first goal for Real Madrid. So he's going to be passing Eden Hazard in no time. He actually got subbed <laughs> on for Eden Hazard. But Kareem Benzema, three goals and an assist today. He is a fine wine, continues to get better with age. And, and if Real Madrid are going to win anything of consequence, he has to obviously maintain a high level. So, yeah, interesting. Interesting times for, for both Madrid clubs. And I'm curious to see who's going to kind of weather the, these little storms that are going to happen eventually, as hey, they do for every club. Hey, Luis. Did you guys read about this latest controversy about how um, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid didn't request a buy for having players missing, but Barcelona requested a buy and got the game postponed because they have players missing? And the response from the league was that, well, you didn't ask. And so it just seems <laughs> like you get you didn't request us to reschedule this. So we did, of course, we didn't reschedule it, but you should have requested. And now there's, I love uh, it. there's it's like just other some controversy. It's like other teams are like, oh, good to know, because now yeah. I'm going to have that in my back pocket later on in the season. Oh, yeah. Real Madrid were missing four, four big players from this. Other players, obviously, in quarantine coming back from or a few days rest coming back from national team break. They requested and said, hey, we're missing some of our team. Uh, we can't do this. And they're like, all right, uh, since you asked. It so just apparently, seems, if yeah. you ask, it's it's okay. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, back to Jimmy's point about the Madrid teams. Vinicius Jr., by the way, on the up as well to Heat's uh -huh. point, you know, about Brazilians needing good support systems. Real Madrid doing a good job right there. Ancelotti, the player whisperer, I feel. And by the way, Jimmy, to your Atletico Madrid, many seasons, these uh, wins would have been draws. And I feel that yes, that's, that's a fair. key component. You know, That's to fair. just getting those those three points. Um, also, all right. Can I, can yeah, I give ahead. a shout out? I want to give a shout out to Valencia because they won back to back games in La Liga for the first time in 57 games. And now they're tied on top of the table with Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. This could be quite the story. Yeah. It'd be an unbelievable story because I feel like Valencia in particular have been on, you know, they have one of those owners that's looking to shed money and decide, you know, they're selling all their players recently. But uh, yeah, start Eunice Musa or don't talk to me. That's, that's what I true, say about that's true, Start Eunice Musa. He's back true. from injury. Don't give him scrap minutes. Start him or don't talk to me. Absolutely. Hey, listen, we got a question here from Mohamed Bakir. What do you guys think about Group B, Liverpool, Milan, Atletico winning? Well, guess what? I'm not going to let Jimmy or Heath answer this because we have a fantastic 
Champions League preview coming up this week where we're really going to get into the nitty-gritty of the Champions League. So thank you so much, Mohammed, for your question. But we will get to it. I promise uh, this week uh, it's going to come up. I promise you. A massive preview. You, you have to make sure that you subscribe. All right, let's keep talking. Bundesliga. Bayern Munich took care of business against RB Leipzig, of course. Obviously, Lewandowski and Sko did the thing, but Musiala was so good in that game. And uh, elsewhere in the Bundesliga as well, Leverkusen Dortmund, a seven-goal thriller, of course, 4-3 to Dortmund there. Wolfsburg won 2-0 against Firth. Four wins from four. Heath, let's begin with you, Bundesliga. Any thoughts there? Yeah, my biggest thought and and what I would say is my biggest loser of the weekend would be would be Leverkusen went up twice in that match, maybe even three times, but I think twice uh, and lead changes and weren't able to hold on. Obviously, you're playing against Holland, who looks like he's generally playing like almost like he likes to go down because then he just gets to do what he wants and come back and, and create moments of magic. But this Leverkusen team isn't weak for anybody that's been been paying yeah, three times, he, by the way. Yeah, he had to lead three times. Yeah. They've got uh, Verts, Stick. They got Diaby. They've got a lot of really good players on this team, and to go up against a Dortmund in an opportunity to take points, we saw with Jesse Marsh and RB Leipzig struggling to get points against tough opponents uh, early on, which I think is going to come back to hurt them when they're looking at Champions League positions or even some sort of title race. But we know generally how the Bundesliga ends by the end of the season. But yeah, just a, a kind of a, a disappointing, an, an unbelievable match, by the way, an incredible match. If you can get a chance to go watch the highlights. So fun, back and forth, back and forth. Really high quality goals, great moments. But yeah, overall, pretty disappointing from from um, from uh, Leverkusen to to not hold on there. Uh, you're right, a very good game. Go ahead, Jimmy. Your uh, favorite moments from the Bundesliga? Well, they're called Leverkusen for uh, for a reason, right? <laughs> they can't hold on to leads and they can't win trophies like the Spurs of Germany. So I'll say that uh, my biggest winner. I actually glad you brought him up, uh, Musiala, the youngster from Bayern Munich. He came on as a sub for Serge Gnabry. And within a minute of him being subbed on, he scored. He got an assist a little bit later. This kid is the goods. He is he is an excellent, excellent player. I think the future's bright for Bayern in a lot of different ways, but he's going to be driving things. And as Thomas Moore continues to get a little bit older and a little bit older, even though he's an ageless wonder, uh, I really like uh, what Musiala can bring to the table to help kind of keep all those up. He can be the glue, I think, for the, for the club moving forward. And he can do it. Uh, in a way that's just, we'll be talking about Musiala for a long time. So if you haven't heard of his name, uh, you're going to hear it here and uh, it'll probably stick with you. And it should, given how high quality he is. I'm disappointed, though, from an RB Leipzig's perspective. They got a little bit unlucky giving up that first goal. The ball hit the hand in the box. Yeah, it's a, it's a handball. And yeah, you got to call it. But I'm sure Jesse Marsh would have uh, preferred to, you know, give up a goal with Robert Lewandowski, you know, just like finishing across or whatever it is. So it got off to a bad start. That was 10 minutes in and it just didn't. Good look, look good from that point, and uh, I'm bummed for Jesse Marsh. And and honestly, when I look at the table, I'm a, I'm a little bit afraid. I mean, they're 12th right now. They've won one and lost three. It's not like they're drawing these games that maybe they shouldn't win. They're 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 losing them, and and that's that's a bit harsh. They've only scored five in these four games, given up six goals, and and he's got some work to do. So I'm a little bit nervous for him. Obviously, we want all of our Americans to do well over in Europe, including our managers, and so. I hope they can dig out of this uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, Arnold Maldonado had a question there, so I feel like you answered a little bit, but I'll ask it again to both of you, but just very quickly. Scale of 1 to 10, how concerned would you be about Jesse Marsh right now? Not a good start. It's very early, but Heath, let's begin with you. Just very quickly, concerns on Jesse, and then, Jimmy, of course, you chime in. 
I'd say I'm a five, and that's purely based on the results. Obviously, the Red Bull system is a system that he's comfortable with. He came from from Salzburg prior to that, uh, New York Red Bull. So I think he's part of the Red Bull family. There's not a huge turnover or an overly high pressure there. It's about player development, playing young players, and I think that can be a crutch in his favor. So I'm not worried, but the results uh, are start will start to become alarming if they don't turn this around uh, here in, in, in the rest of this month of September. Yeah, I'm probably at a five as well. Unfortunately, they had to Manchester to play against City in the Champions League this week. So if if that turns into a bloodbath for whatever reason, then that five turns into almost like an eight or nine. You know, it's kind of like the, the pile on the, the little snowball effect that we had with Greg Berhalter during this qualifying window as well. You're like, all right, draw on El Salvador. Lose at home to Canada. That's unacceptable. That first half was terrible against Honduras. And you want the guy out at halftime. And then they go on and put on a great second half and everybody loves him again. But, but, but. If they lose the city and get slammed in that one, and then they go to FC Cologne the, the following weekend and maybe lose there, I feel like the guy's on the hot seat. and He's got to be getting close to it right now. So that was a really long answer. I know you wanted to short. I'll say five. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. It's the manner in which they lose to Man City. If they lose to Man City, then, you know, Jimmy, if it's five nothing, like that's a magic for me. Jimmy, Jimmy gave uh, an eight or a nine to Greg Berhalter, by the way. So now we know what Jimmy thinks about Greg Berhalter's job. You know, we, <laughs> he, saying, he said he was, saying, no, I, hey, I was hey, for all of us. <laughs> hey, I'm, j- I'm just listening to the words you're saying and I'm just <laughs> hey, interpreting them. Did I say I eight or nine? Did that come out of my mouth? <laughs> Wasn't that your rating on his jogging abilities? That was a good, <laughs> good jogging right there. All right, let's go to League A. You know who the biggest winner of Lionel Messi entering PSG? Andre Herrera. He's got three goals this season, by the way. Uh, PSG win 4-0 against Clermont. So all good there. They didn't need to use any of their main stars. Monaco lose to Marseille 2-0. Lorient beat Lille 2-1. They have the leakiest defense in the division, by the way. Uh, they've conceded 11 goals, Lille, by the way. Um, that's, that's a lot. Uh, so that's Liga. Anything from Liga, boys? Uh, Jimmy? Yeah. yeah, I'll just jump in and really quickly say, quickly. That's, I came up with a new <laughs> word for everybody. But um, the, the manager of Lille, who helped them win last year, Christophe Galtier, he, he is now in charge of Nice. He left the champions to go to Nice, who were closer to mid-table, which is awesome, by the way, for him to do that. And Nice are the only club in Liga that have yet to give up a goal. And that's in stark contrast to what's happened at Lille because they've already given up 11 goals and Nice are absolutely cruising. Uh, They have, let me see here. They're in third. They've scored 10, given up zero. They have 10 points and they are probably going to be clipping PSG's heels. I I just got to give it up. Nice. Nice is nice. That's what I want. It's a very nice observation. I like it. Heath, Heath, what what do you make of League Uh, Heath Pierce? This group sucks, dude. We're losing, <laughs> we're, we're losing it here. No, I want to. I want to give a shout out to Claremont Foot. It's their first ever time in Ligue 1, um, and and they held their own for the first few weeks, and we're sitting up near the top of the table, only to get humbled by by PSG. I think PSG are are going to be far too strong this year because you have the Leals of the world that just are like the Monaco's, where they win and they go, "What do we do with all this money? We should." <laughs> Oh, and now we get to sell players too. So now we've got Champions League. We got we are champions, and now you know we got everybody wants our players. You end up shedding some of that, and it's hard to repeat that year after year. So I can understand why somebody would go to Nice, also because Nice is an incredible quality of life there to live. So um, yeah, overall, I uh, just wanted to give up that give that shout out to Claremont Foot. Uh, it's it's very difficult, obviously, 
to, to come to the top league for the very first time. And they've started it fantastically with no real stars, no real big name players. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, they, well, they entered that game with the highest XG uh, rating in the in Liga. So, you know, you, it's PSG. They could keep on going. It's very early in the season. All right. To finish things off, I wanted to do something fun with the boys. I'm going to give some topics here. And they're going to pick one hill to die on. Okay. Uh, from the weekend, we will begin with the howler of the weekend. The absolute disastrous moment of the weekend i got mine of course but is there anything that you saw from the weekend that you thought oh my god that was awful jimmy conrad let's begin with you howler of the weekend i'm gonna share it with the two juve players to be honest i think chesney could have done a lot better on the first goal or what led to the first goal for napoli when they were already up one zero i feel like a staple of any italian team is once you're up one zero you don't give up the lead and then Moise Ken uh, and his lack of heading the ball out correctly. If you see the second goal that Napoli has, it's a corner for Napoli. Moise Ken's on the six. And he it looks like he literally turns and tries to head it at his own goalkeeper in Chesney. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I, that looked like match fixing. If, a poor it, guy. It, he thought he thought it wasn't going to ever get to him. I but. don't know if he thought he was still wearing an Everton kit or a PSG <laughs> kit or whatever. But it, it it's incredible. So you can go find that highlight. Chesney actually makes an unbelievable save to keep it out. But then it falls right to Koulibaly who taps it in. So I think the combination of those two, though Moise Ken might actually get the award straight up because yeah, uh, well, that, the that way that you described it, definitely, it's yeah. quite but a header. So, Chesney, so um, by the way, though Chesney culpable for three goals already this yeah, season for Juventus. Yeah. yeah, there's been a drop, bit of a drop off for sure in his position. So I wonder if he's on a hot seat too. So it's between them two, Jimmy. Are you going yeah, one or yeah, the other? I'll, I'll split the points there. You don't, they get, both you don't get two hills to die on, Jimmy. Well, <laughs> you, can all, you can only die on one hill. It's one hill with two people. What are you, about? you can be severely injured on two yeah. hills. Yeah. I've got like a Darth Maul lightsaber. <laughs> I, cut it, I got two sides to cut. He fears. Who's your, what's your howler of the weekend? Uh, Tyrone Mings. I, I, I agree with Jimmy with the Chesney point. That's the one I would go with, but, um, uh, just because not only did he parry it straight down, but he took forever to get up. And in that time they were able to finish it, which looked <laughs> yeah. like a very difficult finish, um, from that angle, but I'm going to go with Mings the, just uncharacteristic. That's not usually the light in which we describe him. A short underpass reminded me of like James Sands pass with the U.S. national team in qualifiers, where it was mm -hmm. just this dry pitch where it looked like it left his foot at a decent pace and then just stopped and, just got buried on him. And it was a rare opportunity, by the way, where I'm used to defenders usually blaming a goalkeeper, goalkeeper playing a defender, but it was such a poor sort of um, just sort of pace of the pass that he just kind of was like, you could see it was just like, dude, there's nothing to do but to just own this. And I think that's very captain-like of him to own that uh, in a moment like that where things don't go wrong to just put your hand up and say, hey, I blew it here. I need to do better. Yeah, he did. And he tweeted, uh, you know, he took responsibility. And by the way, uh, you know, that's very typical of Tyron Mings to uh, own his errors. And uh, it's a shame because, you know, as a Villa fan, I, I thought that even though we were one nothing down, there was a momentum heading our way. And then that goal, I think, uh, kind of messed things up. But Tyron Mings owns it and we will move onwards. My howler of the weekend. I'm going to go with Freddie Woodman, man. I'm sorry, Jimmy Conrad, but I think that it was such a pivotal moment in that game. It was nil-nil at that time. There was moments just to go before the end of the break. Mason Greenwood takes a shot. I really think he could have just held on to that. And obviously he didn't. And uh, it rebounded off. And Ronaldo scored his first goal on his return. I feel that maybe, you know, your starting goalkeeper probably wouldn't have done that. 
Why are you bringing up old stuff, man? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I was going to say Tyrone Mings, but Heath stole it. So I had to go it's with fine. Fred. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> all right. Well, so all goalkeepers in that one, I'm sorry. I uh, know. Oh, I'm sorry. And a center back, Tyrone Mings. So all defensive errors in that one, we will come out. All right, let's keep going because we have a few more. Give me your wow moment, your top performance of the weekend. And Jimmy, pick one hill for crying out loud. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm probably going to go with Cristiano Ronaldo. I think that's the obvious choice here. You know, not only did he, he score a brace, but I liked how he scored both of them. If you look at the first goal, just his awareness, his anticipation, just to know, just to sniff around, something could fall my way. And right before halftime, I really feel like it took a lot of pressure off the team to score and, and allowed the fans to relax. So not to say you would boo them off the field at that point, but they were creating some chances. And I also actually think when we said this in the other podcast, we, we reviewed it, that it seemed like they were forcing everything. They all wanted Ronaldo to score. And once he did, they could all kind of just play. And you, you saw the what that looks like in the second half. And then I thought that that touch away from the defender mm, instead of the second good. one was, it's just these little things that he does. And I think if that can infect all of his teammates, they could go on and definitely be title contenders. But obviously they're going to have to stay healthy. They have some problems to solve as well. But but he is going to provide something that, that only he can provide because he is a world-class player for a reason. Yep, a good choice. Uh, Heath Beers, your wow moment of the we do not say Arsenal. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going with Ronaldo also. I, I, I wanted to move it around. I could go with Edward because I think he's going to be a huge, a huge addition to Crystal Palace. Uh, so I'm just going to stick with that, actually. Let's just go with that because Jimmy, I thought, covered covered Ronaldo well and the momentum there. I was just really impressed with that. But Edward, uh, I think he's going to be huge, a huge uh, addition again to Palace coming on to score the way that he did. Brings an energy that he has. Obviously, a proven goal scorer uh, during his time at Celtic. I think he won Golden Boot there twice, and one of them was a shortened season. But I, I, I could be wrong on that, but I, I believe so. And just again, the journey that he has as a French player has been really unique. And to see him come on and 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 have that sort of impact in a team that I thought played really, really well. And Palace were strong just to have another dynamic like that, and hopefully gets more minutes uh, and isn't just a bit role player coming off of the bench. I think is going to be really important for Pat. Pat uh, <laughs> <laughs> Papa Patrick, Pat Patrick Vieira. Vieira. Yeah, Patrick Vieira. I was I got stuck between Patrick Vieira and Patrice Ever there, and I just couldn't put. I know so because it's Crystal together. Palace. There's just yeah. a, there's a little P and, yeah. action there. Uh, Heath, you stole mine. I was gonna say Eduard as well. And by the way, I kept the receipts. Everybody, I told Palace fans this was to me the steal of the sub 14 million euros for this kid. And his yeah. first moment, he scores a goal. Then he scores a – he is going to be pivotal for Palace. You know, Jimmy and I were very questionable about Palace and because it takes time with a Vieira system. We're not so much uh, – but Edward is a per- – see, there you go. I kept – there is – thank you, Des Norris, for showing everybody that I'm not completely stupid and I can do this job. All right, let's keep going here. Biggest winner of the – no, Biggest loser. Let's go with the biggest loser of the weekend. Pick one hill to die on. Let's start with you, Heath Pierce. Give me the loser of the weekend. A, a club, maybe, you're thinking. Somebody that really did not deliver. I'm just going to say Juventus. I think going down to individual airs kept them from winning this game or, or made them lose all three points. Obviously, you're playing against a formidable opponent in Napoli. Uh, so I think that's one factor. I think the other factor, and Jimmy mentioned it earlier, is there doesn't seem to be a post-Ronaldo um, system or style or identity. It doesn't seem like 
oh, they they gave up a goal and they bounce back, they're going to be very good. I think, again, you have diminishing returns in terms of age and your back line. Experience means a lot, but if you don't have other players around that that can make the best out of the, your experienced players. Uh, and then when I look at uh, Betancourt, Rabio, McKinney, I, I just don't see it. I don't see a Juventus squad there uh, at the standard that I hold them to. They're a little bit lacking of an identity. So I'm just not wor- knowing where they're going to go from there. The Ronaldo thing happened so late in the window, they weren't able to spend any money to go out and build their roster. I think January is still going to be very difficult depending on the position that they're in. So it just seems like a rebuild. So I'm just going to have to say biggest loser for me, Juventus across the board in a number of ways. Yeah, right, Jimmy. I, I agree with the Juve pick. I think that's a good one. I think Lille's an obvious choice as well from going to win Liga to being a hot dumpster fire this particular season. They seem to have lacked a little bit of identity as well, and that's going to be up to the new manager to try to figure that out. We'll see. I don't ex- actually expect them to even qualify for the Champions League or even push for the title this season. That's how dire it looks, which is a shame because we have an American international over there in Timothy Weah and then Jonathan David, the Canadian international, plays over there too. So so I'm actually going to move back. We haven't talked about Spurs too much. I just want to say that though they only gave up goals after they got the red card, I still feel like they didn't really put their stamp on the game. And obviously, Hingman's son could be hurt for a significant amount of time after he got that injury playing for Korea. And I wonder how they're now... Everything was, go- everything was groovy. They beat Man City. They won three straight games, 1-0. Everything's cool. Everything's great. They come out of the international break. And things aren't going their way. And now I want to see what this team is made of. And now I think we're going to see what Nuno Espirito Santo is as a manager and how quickly he can get them out of this. Because when they had Mourinho in charge, I feel like one loss turned into another loss, turned into another loss. And all of a sudden, they couldn't recapture that belief that they had at the beginning of the season. This is going to be a good early test for them. So I don't think it's like this super dramatic loser. But I do think that this is going to be very interesting to see. Because now I think we're going to find out what the Spurs team is truly made of. Yeah, we will. Uh, my pick is going to be Leeds United. Uh, Marcelo Bielsa, uh, you know, I think is now going to be realizing that everybody knows the tricks and he better come up with a plan B. Leeds United have drawn to, lost to. Uh, they've, uh, you know, they've got a minus seven goal differential. It's not looking good. And it's not mainly because the system is not sexy. It's because everybody else understands what the system is. And I feel that they need to show a little bit more of what we usually like them for. I'm sure he will do it. He's a tremendous manager, but Leeds United just be very wary of how things are going. Let's go to the weekend's biggest winner of the weekend, a club, a club that you think, yep, you did the business. Uh, Jimmy Conrad. Yeah, I'll probably go with Manchester United. I just feel like re-inviting, let's say, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo back to the club was a bit of a risk, obviously, given his age and given the fact that they're trying to, or it seems like trying to build around other players. So you take a risk bringing him in. And I don't think they could have gotten off to a better start. And I think they probably pretty fortunate to play against uh, an opponent that was going to lay down at some point in Newcastle. And I think it's a great way to, to kind of start this new era of Cristiano. And now they're top of the table and everything's looking great. So we'll see if Ole Gunner's the guy to lead them to the promised land. I love it. Heath Pierce. Uh, I would probably go with that one too, but I, just to spread it around a little bit to, to touch point, I'm going to go with Liverpool only from the, from the, the angle of, Last year, when the season started, nobody was talking about Manchester City. They flew under the radar, and they were able to find their form. I think Liverpool are suffering from the same sort of thing of when you're playing one, you're like, hey, no one's talking about us in the way that they're talking about everyone else. I think that will 
turn out to be a good thing in the long run because it takes a little bit of that pressure off of focusing on every single moment of every single game. And we could see ourselves come January with this team that's built this momentum, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder too because they're not getting the respect that they deserve. And so I wanted to point that out as the angle which why and, and why I've, I, I've chosen Liverpool. I like it. Uh, my winner is Jimmy. I can't believe you didn't go here, but Roma sitting top of the table. Three wins out of three. Scored nine goals. Only conceded two. Tammy Abraham is doing the business. Roma is looking good. Mourinho is happy. I can't wait to log on to his Instagram page. Everything is looking good for Roma. They're my winner. They're looking very, very good. And that, my friends, is the end of the show. Before we say goodbye, I would love final thoughts from these two as we say goodbye and we look ahead to a very busy week coming up. Heath Pierce, your final thoughts. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers scored, I think. Or oh, maybe it wasn't him. Who was? Yeah, I Cameron can't believe you're not talking at, about Pepe. Pepe scored a header. Uh, again, um, Cameron Carter-Vickers right. scored for, for Celtic. And I just want to hear you say Roma one more time. Roma. Roma. There we go. Roma. Yeah, that's Roma. it for me then. Jimmy, final thoughts. Yeah, obviously excited for uh, some Americans for getting the opportunity to play and play well. And uh, obviously the jury is still out on how the rest of the season is going to go. Let's leave the negativity out, though. I'm excited for the Champions League. I can't wait for our preview pod and all of our recap pods. It's going to be a great week here on Kegel Lasso. Love it. Preach it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be going live again on the Tuesday and Wednesday to recap the action from match day one and match two, as Jimmy said, of the Champions League season. We got so much more, including weekend previews, interviews, et cetera, et cetera. But as Jimmy said, the Champions League is coming up and we cannot wait. Make sure that if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and leave Kegolasso a five-star rating and review. It only takes a few seconds, and it helps us to continue to make free episodes like this one. Jimmy Conrad, thank you, brother. Thank you, LME. Thanks, here. Thanks for everybody listening and watching. HP, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you, everybody. Have a great, great rest of your Sunday.